sort of whiskey in my mouth. Welcome back, and in this episode, we're going to give a uh, ten cent origin on Major Charles Emerson Winchester III and review season one, episode three, Radar's Report, and season, or two. pardon me, season, season two, two. <laughs> episode three, Radar's Report, and season two, episode four, for the Goodly Outfit. Before we get to that, though, I'm Chris Pullman. And I'm Gloria Ackerman. And this is Whiskey and Mash, where we watch episodes of the TV show MASH, and then uh, take notes while drinking a nice adult beverage, and uh, then give you our impression, our synopsis on the episodes. So, but first, uh, we're going to touch on probably the last, I would say the last main character that we haven't talked about. I think so. Um, yeah. Except BJ. Did we do BJ? We did BJ, oh, I thought. Okay. Yeah. And cross so. them off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, David Emerson, or <laughs> I'm looking at David Ogden Steers and thinking Charles Emerson, Charles and Emerson Winchester. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love what it says on here. It says, he was raised to be superior to other mere mortals, or so he believes. And also a way to describe him is he's very, he's a very lovable, unlovable. Yeah. So as much as you want to not like him, you want to see more of him. You want to see mm-hmm. who he becomes or who... Just when you learn to hate him, he does something that surprises you and makes you love him. Yeah. So uh, Charles came in, I believe it's season four, episode one, Fade In, Fade Out. Um, he comes in to replace Major Frank Burns who, uh, in a bit of continuity with the movie, he is dismissed or shipped out from MASH after um, some psychological issues uh, come out, and those caused by Margaret's marriage to Lieutenant Colonel Donald Penobscot. Charles is from Baston. Baston. So, actually, in the movie, uh, I'm not sure about the TV show, Trapper is from... Boston. I didn't know Trapper was from Boston. Yeah, at least in the movie he is. So this is at least borrowing from that. Because I don't remember where he's actually from in the show. I would imagine that would be the same. But yeah, Charles Emerson Winchester III. Definitely um, upper class. uh, Aristocracy almost would be a good... Very upper class put down in the slums of the swamp. I I can't even imagine mm -hmm. going from the luxury and wonderful lifestyles Mm. to the swamp. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, just how upper class are we talking? And, you know, what what did he come from when he came to the 477th? Uh, He went to Choate, which is the same uh, high school as, like, the Kennedys attended. Okay. Uh, He graduated summa cum laude from Harvard Med. He was on his way to become chief of thoracic surgery at Boston General before he was drafted. And even then, uh, I would guess largely thanks to family connections, he ended up in Tokyo at the Tokyo General Hospital, where it was kind of a cush job. Until I mean, he lost a bet. Well, uh, he won. 
Oh, until he won. Right. He, he right. was playing he won. cribbage so, with his CEO, uh, Colonel, I have it here, uh, Colonel Horace Baldwin. He was playing cribbage and they were playing for like a buck mm-hmm. a point or something. And, uh, yeah, he, he had won another game and he was quite, um, I'm not looking for the word and I can't snobby? find Snobby? Snobby about it. Ugh. And uh, Colonel Potter called him up because Burns was AWOL. And uh, Potter called up Baldwin and said, we're desperate, we need somebody. And so Baldwin said, I really don't have anybody. And then you hear uh, Winchester go, I made a mistake, Colonel. You owe me. And it was a larger amount of money by like a few cents somehow. Never mind. I have a man. (laughs) You're going up to the front, Winchester. It's just like here. Except for the rats, the bombs, the war, the war. So he goes. He ends up in uh, the four double seventh, and on the way there, uh, actually gets caught in a mortar barrage. The jeep is blown up, so he ends up coming into mash on a ox cart. <laughs> okay. And um, as he expects to be leaving, he's in the officers' club, and we see. I don't remember his name, but the bartender who was there, one of the enlisted guys, um, pours him some brandy because he's a big brandy guy, and he takes a sip and just like chokes on it because it's it's not what he's used it's to. It's rot gut, and he said, "Is this the best you've got?" No, oh, we have some better stuff, but it'll cost you a nickel more. Oh, <laughs> let's splurge. <laughs> so probably wasn't much better though for a nickel. Yeah. But, um, what else? He has a sister, Honoria, who... who thinks of becoming a sister at one point in MASH, I believe, in the okay. family's... Or else she's... Never mind. She's going to be engaged to someone that wasn't up to the family's standards. Yes, and... That's what it was. An olive picker. And, <laughs> a, uh... What is it? Italian. Yeah, something like that, because Charles makes a very insensitive uh, racial comparison to Klinger <laughs> about swarthy-skinned olive pickers or something like that. And, uh, yeah, Klinger gets quite offended. And rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, and then Major Winchester makes some comment to Father Mulcahy about how at least it isn't an Irishman. <laughs> so he's batting a thousand there. Um, but yeah, she almost gets married, but then she ends up breaking it off, and he's very apologetic, because he sent some telegrams to her with some very, very nasty things to say. And you want your family to be happy. Yeah, and that's what it ends up being, is he says, I just want you to be happy. Um, what else? What else? What else? His family was taught to give, though, also. Like, yeah. during holidays or things, you'll see some giving, mm-hmm. um, but secretively. Yeah, they were like, never, they never wanted the limelight. Right. They, when they gave, they gave from the heart, mm-hmm. not from yeah. the society pages. Yeah, there was a holiday episode where he uh, gives to the orphanage just a bunch of chocolate bars. And they're, like, high quality from Boston really really good chocolate and what the guy in charge of the orphanage does is sells them on the black market and so they end up coming back to mash as part of the celebration um when the orphans are there and 
uh, Charles corners the guy and says, why did you do this? I gave these to the orphans, not to you to sell. And the guy says something to the effect of, what good is it to fill their bellies for one night when I can, I can sell these, yeah, sell them on the black market and put a roof over their heads, rice in their stomach for a month and warm blankets on them. And Winchester just kind of lets go of him and says, you're right, of course. It is very insensitive of me to give them hope and joy for one night and leave them absent for the rest of the year, something like right. that. And so. that that speaks to his character. When push comes to shove, he is really a genuinely good fellow. Right. Um, you know, he does take the place of Frank, but he's a much better person than or Frank. Or a different person. Well, I, yeah. I will say better. I will um, too, because I don't think he would have ever like pushed a nurse aside or something mm-hmm. and treated them lower even though he oh. is higher class he mm-hmm. still treats people with respect he does i mean he there's definitely that almost a class difference right right exactly <laughs> which he assumes is his place and i like you how you said it nice too. and straight and tall when you said that <laughs> a class difference yeah but you know that's how it is with him but at the same time yeah he does treat everyone pe- equal i mean it whether, everyone's beneath him. Yes, exactly. Everyone's <laughs> so equally everyone's beneath him. So everyone's equally beneath whether, him. Whether you're a private or, or a, a female or, or a female. A male, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're all equally beneath him. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it. we do see a lot of times when he does have these humorous moments where um, he will pull pranks on people mm-hmm. where Frank wouldn't in the same way. We see where he teams up with Hawkeye and Trap, or not Trap, or Hawkeye and BJ at that point where Frank never would have. You know, just not the way that Winchester is able to. He plays the French horn. He plays the French horn. He's <laughs> cultured, which gives depth to his character, which we don't see in Burns. Um, we also see times where he is very caring toward his fellow surgeons, like when Hawkeye's trying to get a hold of his dad, when he knows that he's gone oh, in for yeah. surgery. But doesn't know what. But Yeah, doesn't know what's happening how it go, how it's going winchester is there to help console hawkeye which burns never would have done right um frank not frank i'm sorry charles his sister honoria we actually get to hear her a couple times because he has a little tape player not little but i mean it's tape player, yeah a real yeah. real tape player where she will send him messages and he will send the family messages mm-hmm. and we hear her talking to to, to Charles and she has this very pronounced stutter which is important in an episode where there is a soldier with a stutter with a very pronounced stutter and his unit treats him like dirt because they think he's stupid right but Frank uh pardon me Charles (laughs) I haven't had that much it's not me this time yeah it isn't um (laughs) Charles pulls him aside and says, Now listen, you're not dumb. I know this. Here are some books, and he gives them like War and Peace, and you're capable of this. Push yourself. You have a brilliant mind. You need to learn to use it. There's another time where he saves, uh, yeah, this guy. I'm thinking of the left-handed piano player because he lost his right hand. Yeah. He didn't lose it, but he lost the sensation. sensation. Yeah. And he was a pianist. Yeah, a concert pianist, pianist which hits 
uh, Charles because, again, upper class. He did a lot of... He listens to this music mm-hmm. constantly and loves it and mm-hmm. wishes with all of his heart that he could play with that mm-hmm. that strength that this person plays with. Yeah. He and says to him at one like point, because this guy <laughs> is basically given up on life. Because you know, his his hands were his life, and now he only has one of them. And what use is a one-handed pianist? And Charles says to him, um, "You know, I can make a scalpel sing, and I know how to play the piano. I've taken lessons my whole life, but I can't. But I can't make it speak. You and the piano will always be one. You can play." You can pour your soul into it in a way I never can. And that's not something you can give up on. And so um, when uh, Klinger is company clerk at that point, he goes to Seoul for some reason, and he comes back with a bunch of pieces of left-handed music. And he puts it in front of this guy, and he says, play. Just to prove to him that he can still play this gorgeous music and it is i mean right. one-handed it is beautiful it really is um so yeah we do see this so great guy but again someone that is lovable unlovable mm-hmm. well and <laughs> unlovable like one time hawkeye and bj were trying to outdo him you know i did this so oh, i did this well he... i did this and at one point, they're trying to compare who they've dated. And Charles says, I dated Audrey Hepburn. And they try to call <laughs> his bluff, but he takes out a picture from the restaurant of him and Audrey Hepburn and makes a comment, she had the appetite of a bird. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what else? I don't remember that one. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, oh, I love that one. That's pretty funny. Uh, just two other things that I saw in the wiki um, that I read for this. One is we see on uh, Winchester's dress uniform a commendation, an arrowhead commendation, which is apparently only for like frontline combat units. If you recall, he was up at aid stations a couple times. Oh. One, one time it was after the sniper attack where the bullet went through his hat. Okay. And he had a near-death experience. Yeah, I remember. Um, And I don't think that was the actual one, but I guess he goes up another time and tends wounded at the Battle of Porkchop Hill, which was an actual battle in Korea, which occurred March to July of 1953, which would explain how he actually got that, because Amash isn't a frontline unit. Right. Um, It's in a combat zone, but not a frontline unit. And, uh, yeah... He's there until the last episode, so he's there longer than Frank, so we, we get to know him better. You get to know him better, and you enjoy his character. Yeah. Very much. I, I did. Yeah. So. Okay, anything else on Charles? There's a lot more, but I think the best way to... Watch the episodes. Is watch the episodes, <laughs> yeah. He's definitely better after his first season, because he settles into... The character I think they all a little are, bit. though. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes time to develop who you are. Definitely, you know the first the first season, we see a Charles that isn't quite the Charles we see for the rest of the series, which again, same as Radar, same as yeah, everyone. Yeah, 
So, so okay, we're going to talk today about Radar's report. Um, season two, episode season, three. Right. Radar reports on uh, all the happenings of MASH for the 4077th. At the same time, Houlihan and Burns try to get Klinger transferred, and Hawkeye falls head over heels for a nurse, which is one of my favorites because mm. it's Lieutenant Erica Johnson, who is played by Joan Van Ark, Van Ark, who is also in Dallas and Knott's Landing. So you can picture who she is. Um, also in the episode, Trapper is pretty angry. There's um, a Chinese prisoner, and he is, ang you know, doesn't speak English, English, so he has no idea what's going on. And when people come at him, he jumps up, grabs a knife, knocks over the blood, which contaminates Trapper's uh, patient. Mm -hmm. So just a few things to talk about. Do you yeah. have anything you want to start with? Um, we hear at the beginning of this episode that Radar says that this is a report for 17... October to 22 October 1951 inclusive. So that gives us a very definitive timestamp on when this is supposed to occur. Uh, I like how in the episode we see, you know, in the OR scene, Father Mulcahy keeps saying Feng Chao. Yeah, and <laughs> to the patient. He thinks that he's um, correcting him or saying, you know, give up or whatever. Oh, no. he, th he, he thinks he's saying peace and friendship. Peace and friendship, okay. Yeah, but what it really means is... Uh, do Your you daughter's pregnancy brings much joy to the village. Yep. <laughs> so not quite the message... <laughs> Bung chow. Yeah, not quite the message he meant to uh, 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 transmit there. Something um, really confusing to me in this episode is Major Milton Freeman comes in to um, evaluate Klinger. He is the psychologist. But later on, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Okay, because I can think do drugs. so. Um, but later in in episodes to come, he will be Major Sidney Friedman. Oh, so yeah, you're right. Um, and it's definitely the same person. It's definitely the same person. Because so. in in the later episodes, oh, Major Friedman. Klinger still trying to get out on the psycho. They know each other. Right. So right. it's not like different people. But But he's a little hardcore. He looks like a newer newer coming in. Yeah, I'm just gonna give it to you. He's wearing a dress. Of course he's a psycho. Where later on he's like, <laughs> Hey, where can I get those shoes? You know, it, they become friends, they become to know each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. I do love it when uh Major Friedman is in Henry's office and Klinger walks in and he says, you brought me here about that? Yeah. <laughs> what? If his girdle's too tight? If he should be wearing those heels with that dress? I, I'll definitely give him a Section 8. But he had to claim to be homosexual. Which and he a transvestite. Said, and he said, I'm not either of those things. All I want is a Section 8. I'm just crazy. Right. Yeah. So he refused to sign. He could have gotten out. He could have taken that. Mm -hmm. But he refused to sign. Yeah, he. Yeah, because I would have followed him his whole life. His whole life. Yep. Which. Um, if, yeah. But yeah, then, like, right at the end of that scene, like you're saying, uh, I mean, Friedman was 
He was willing to give Klinger what he wanted, but on the Army's terms. But Freeman didn't really care, I don't think. I don't think at this point he did. I think well, he comes to care. Well, no, I just mean that I don't oh. think he... How to say it? Like, he didn't care one way or the other if, he if, got out. if Klinger got out or not. Yeah. He was just doing his job. But you see that he thinks Klinger is at least amusing. Because right. as Klinger's leaving, he goes, Hey, soldier, you forgot your purse. <laughs> Um, some of the other... Well, I love the way the purse um, scarf matched his outfit. Yeah. He's, if oh, nothing he's, else, he's very, very... Fashion-minded. Fashion-minded, yes. Yeah. Um, just one other thing with Klinger. He's always on, you know, guard duty in KP because of his shenanigans in camp. Uh, he's on guard duty this time when the Chinese POW goes nuts in the OR... So he ends up coming in, the POW takes a swipe at his dress, uh, cuts the one of the straps, and so in Radar's report we find that it was a $39 dress <laughs> that was ruined, and uh, C attached requisition for a 36B cup bra, <laughs> since it was destroyed in the line of duty. Right, so they had to replace that. Yep. It's good um, to know the army will replace what they ruin. Well, enough uh, paperwork. <laughs> um, well, the Chinese POW, we don't hear a lot about him. I mean, he he's more of a plot device than anything. Because, right. like, throughout the episode we see Trapper's patient get worse and worse. And um, in a very powerful scene, well, two very powerful scenes. First of all, Trap and Hawkeye are scrubbing up. Before ready going for in, surgery. and then Margaret just comes out and goes, "Forget it." Yeah, what? And uh, the guy died on the table before the surgeons could get to him. They turn out the light in the OR, which I don't quite understand because they would still need to like clean everything. Yeah, like and... pull the body out, and they're obviously looking at the body, and they clearly turn off all the lights in the OR because it's pitch black in that room. So I think mm, something not quite right there. But then in the next scene, Trapper goes to um, the tent of the where the POW is being held, and I think they use some very good cinema uh, cinema photography. Just the way he looked at him, you could see the anger. Mm-hmm. And it was just very focused. the The camera shot was. Um, um, I am not doing well with words tonight. <laughs> was focused in such a way that Trapper and the foreground were clear, but the background wasn't. Because Hawkeye comes in the tent, and so I think they used the lens as a device to show Trapper's state of mind because Hawkeye is completely right, you don't blurred until Tra uh, Hawkeye is blurry until Trapper turns around and his attention snaps away from... Oh, good observation. Basically, like, what he was thinking of doing. Because he said, I see everything's flowing. Yeah, getting all the fluids all you need. All the fluids you need. And this POW was clearly strapped to the bed so that probably, you know, he wouldn't get away and he wouldn't hurt himself, that right. sort of thing. So he would have been helpless. And here's... Trapper, Trapper who could probably make it look like an accident. Right. And Hawkeye just comes in. Trapper turns around. The attention is on Hawkeye because he's now in focus. That's not what we're about. Yeah. So, very poignant there. 
Um, I it, like um, to change plots a little yeah. bit, where um, Hawkeye fell in love with Air, Lieutenant Erica Johnson, but Just it, you head see over heels. Hawkeye's character because he saw her wearing a ring, and mm. he refused. Even though he just felt something for her, something stronger than he normally feels for all the other nurses, he refused to date a married woman. Which, yeah. yeah. Yay. <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah, like he, when he saw the ring, he left and he was talking to Trapper and Trapper said, well, you basically have two options, don't you? Keep pitching or start off with somebody else. And Hawkeye does try to keep going, but then he sees her, like, they're kissing, and he feels her ring again and just goes, I can't do it, I can't do it. You're a married woman, madam. You're a married madam. I'm not married. Oh, so your finger's just turning gold? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it cuts down on wrestling matches. And it really showed, like, he actually did talk marriage. He told mm -hmm. the whole camp he was getting married. I, I yeah. don't know how real it was yeah but she was the one that was against marriage and he so it kind of turned on him because mm -hmm. usually it is him who is pushing the girl away yeah where this time it was her pushing him away yeah which i found um really interesting in two different ways and both you've kind of hinted at one that it was him being turned down which we don't really see we see mm -hmm. it a, a couple more times but where his advances are just basically put on hold and you know he says like so there's no tomorrow and she says i'm afraid there might not be i'm being transferred out so just that sort of thing but then also i i as a, as a subtext there um almost a prelude to because this is happening in the 50s almost a prelude to what was coming socially in the united states even oh, in the, the decades to come maybe? yeah because she you don't have to be the married wife mm -hmm. mother child because she was just having fun right i mean that was the whole point the ring cut down on wrestling matches so she could choose whom to be with even though she wasn't ever going to get serious about it right and hawkeye's used to playing that role mm -hmm. but i don't think that that would have been a prevailing world view for women in the 50s no no so i really enjoyed seeing that um what else we hear uh just some yeah go ahead pierce saluted frank yeah and he said we all have bad days yeah when he <laughs> when he was heading into erica's tent to look after her he um, just walked by and it was almost like it was whoops i saluted <laughs> frank yeah he just um which just before that in the episode two things that i picked up on one it was the same announcer like from the movies oh okay. not the normal not the normal not the normal tv mash announcer but the movie like announcer. movie mash announcer and he says something to the effect of major Hulahan, your chest x-rays are done <laughs> and they turned out Delgert. great <laughs> and then we hear um the tokyo shine boy song going over the pa again okay. i always listen for that because it keeps coming back but it's this not time. always on the pa in the show so um i loved the ending also because it was exciting when you were watching it you're seeing all this excitement mm. between the chinese po and trapper <laughs> and 
and um, yeah. you know all the getting rid of Klinger and Hawkeye mm. falling in love, all this exciting stuff happening. And Henry reads the um, report that Radar <laughs> gave him. Which, and, which, by the way, I'm just going to interrupt you quick. Okay. Uh, I apologize, but yeah, okay. it, it, it's a very meta moment in the show because, of course. We literally see times where Radar will not let Henry see what he's signing because it's top secret or whatever when it's not, you know. It's just a con. But Henry says, Radar, sometimes I think that you're... Uh, trying to that keep me from the war. Keep the war from me, that you never let me read anything I'm signing. So it's a very meta moment. But yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, and keep. so he actually reads it over. Mm -hmm. And when he's finished reading it over, he said, well... Every week can't be exciting, and walked away. Yeah. Well, it was exciting, and it was, all this stuff happened, and Radar had it all written down because we saw it as he was writing it. Mm -hmm. Every week can't be exciting. Yeah. Speaking of Radar and writing it down, two of my favorite moments of his during the episode. One, when uh, it's clearly at night, when he's typing this up, it's late. He takes off his glasses, takes a drink of coffee, starts typing again, but he does it on the uh, adding machine. And I guess, I, I, I bet I can guess your second one. Go ahead. Uh, it's when he's giving coffee to his, to his teddy, teddy bear. bear. Yeah. Yep, that was one of mine also. <laughs> and then he makes some comment about it. weirdos in the camp <laughs> directly after that, but those are pretty cool. Okay, yeah, so, that's about it for Radar's report. Yeah, it's, it's again one of those episodes where... There are multiple plot lines, but they're all going on at the same time. Right. So, I did like that there were some actually good uh, kind of messages in here, if you Quite looked for them. Yeah. So, anything else for? No. Okay. Okay, then Tell season... Tell us about for the good of the outfit. Yeah, season two, episode four. So, the basic plot is that the village of Taidong get shelled and we open the episode with the doctors in the OR operating on civilians who have all these shrapnel wounds and even in the OR they look at the shrapnel and say this looks American well when they do a little digging and sure thing it's as American as apple pie oh what's the apple pie and napalm which I need to look up if napalm was around then but anyway <laughs> Must have been, because you hear about it a lot in this well, show. You know, they do a lot of stuff that's anachronistic, oh, yeah, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, so they try and get Taidong taken care of. You know, they try and get the army to take responsibility. And the episode basically goes that they file a report. There's a guy from the adjutant general who gets the report, who starts investigating it. Major story. He's getting a little bit stonewalled. Not to, yeah. yeah. Um, and then General Clayton comes to the 4-double-seventh because uh, Stoner keeps pushing after an article is published on page four of the Stars and Stripes about how the enemy hit the village of Taidong. Wasn't it page 14? 14? Could be. Okay. I didn't take that down. I know there was a four in it, but it oh. was back. Right. It was back. And... Uh, so General Clayton comes up. Henry's half in the bag when he gets there, which is hilarious, <laughs> by the way. Um, and so then Hawkeye and Trapper are in there talking to the general. And the general makes a comment at one point, Stoner? Stoner? 
Oh yes, he's doing a bang up job in uh at whatever. Yeah, concert pack in Honolulu. Oh, uh, so basically the army was sweeping this under the rug and making it go away. At which point, miraculously, Frank and Margaret charge into the rescue. Frank kept a bunch of shrapnel that he took out of patience. Only because he thought he was going to get an accommodation for uh, it. Yeah, accommodation. Not to actually save the day. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. And he kept x-rays and put all this stuff together, basically duplicating the report that Hawk and Trap had already made. And so the general just looks at them and goes, well, this deserves a rethink and reevaluation. And so then basically, uh, well, he says in response to Hawkeye Trapper saying, we expect a first page article on this this time, general. He says, you write it up, I'll get it printed. And they so, handed it to him. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep the extra report that Frank and Margaret made. Um, and the army does take responsibility for it. They were going to just rebuild the village and apparently give them a village hall with indoor plumbing and the first soft-serve ice cream stand in all of East Asia. And a church that's never been prayed in a before. Temp temple. Oh, a temple, temple. sorry. Not a church. <laughs> Not a church. Temple. A temple that's never been prayed in before. Yeah, but... Hawkeye and Trapper wanted more. They wanted them to take responsibility. So that's the short and sweet version. I like that Hawkeye wrote his father because he needed help. No one was helping him. They were burying this. Yeah, so Stoner he... wasn't getting anywhere fast. Yeah, so Hawkeye was going to write to his dad and ask for help from Senator Baxter, who owed his father a favor. Mm -hmm. But they held Hawkeye's mail. At, they Division, at HQ. Division HQ, they would not let his mail go through. And then he threatened, he was talking to Henry quite heatedly, and he's like, well, maybe I'll just go down to Seoul now. And uh, Henry says, I wouldn't leave the base, Pierce. Am I under, under arrest? Oh, no, you're just restricted. <laughs> you're under arrest. <laughs> you're restricted as far as, um, yeah. um, you're under arrest. But, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else are some interesting parts about this? When Hawkeye and Trapper get the forms from Radar... Form 27596J12. Dash J12. Dash J12. Dash J12. <laughs> yep, that was the main one. But I forgot the dash. Yeah, they're reading through these forms, and one of them makes a comment, this is a multiple-choice disaster. And we get that the forms are surplus from World War II because they have, like, an addendum... Where the forms say World War II substitute so, Korea, <laughs> you would think that we would, that this war would get its own stationery. In fact, it said Korean action, didn't it? Or, Probably. Yeah. 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 Um, they try and get Frank to sign on to the report since he was the ranking surgeon, and he's saying, "Huh, like I would do anything with you guys." I'm not. The sorry. last time we called a truce, I ended up with peanut butter in my stethoscope. <laughs> Frank, come on. We promised no peanut butter in your stethoscope, no ether in your aftershave. Oh, yeah. Well, what about this? You guys signed the picture of my mother. Dad <laughs> wasn't your father. <laughs> love, Mom! <laughs> and I love when, when Major Stoner came in, and you have to keep in mind that Major Stoner is the kind of guy that the Army sent just to make everyone happy 
so that they forget about it and it goes away. Well, so he was saying things like, oh, I'm, I think you'll get an accommodation for this. And that's what Frank Burns heard, which is why he's like, hey, I want to sign it. And he's, uh, Major Stoner said, no, it's already in. You can't mm-hmm. do it. Com- accommodation. Accommodation. What did I say? Accommodation. Oh, accommodation. Yeah. Okay. Accommodation is like we'll put a ramp in so you can get your oh, wheelchair up okay. into the building. <laughs> and accommodation is what a, they have in the army. Yeah, uh, uh, an award. Yeah. Sorry, okay. that was just. Yeah. No, <laughs> going right through you. And good, good to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I. To me, Stoner always seemed more. Uh, uh, true. More actually trying to help them but do you that's the way i read it but that's definitely not the way that the script was written because like you say you know nobody else in the episode saw it that way stoner i think if nothing else he believed that he was trying to investigate it but yeah like what for a week he was going in okinawa right and so but was he probably oh okay well, I and mean, then he got sent to Hawaii. Yeah. Heck, send me to Hawaii. <laughs> but, you know, the script was definitely written for him to not be an effective investigator in right. this case. So I think you're right. I'm just, in my mind, he was always actually trying because he seems very genuine when he's like, I'm here to get this started. See, and I saw him kind of as more of a, let's just make everyone happy so this goes away. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, well, you'll have to watch it and email us. Let yeah. us know what you think. Yeah, because that's definitely what General Clayton is trying to get at when he comes down. Is he's trying to get Hawk and Trapper to just let it go because even I'm getting pressure from above. Right. And he also basically threatens them without threatening them by saying, you know... You might find your service distasteful back here, but you are back here. You might find yourself assigned to a first aid station. Right on the front. Right. Yeah. But, um... That would have made me pull. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're they're unwilling to quite give up, but then when they find out that all of their evidence and the guy who was investigating it, who knew it, were all gone... Then they give up right up until the point where Frank and Margaret storm in and save the day. But the funniest part is... <laughs> After you're... Yeah. When Henry... The, oh. <laughs> do you want to tell it? You. Oh, okay. General Clayton says, it's time to go. I need a driver. So Henry grabs his golf club and says, here, <laughs> here you, you go. go. <laughs> yeah. And then and Clayton... Clayton says, okay... And he starts heading out, and Henry yells, Oh, sir! You forgot your driver! <laughs> and starts walking out after him, and Radar starts following him. And so then here's Trap, Hawk, Frank, and Margaret left in the colonel's office, which is my second favorite part oh, of the episode. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Where Hawkeye says to Trapper, Aren't they something? You take her. He's mine. He's mine. <laughs> and they and so yeah, Trapper like grabs Margaret, throws her onto Henry's desk and starts kissing her and you see her struggling at first and then you see her start, grab on. <laughs> yeah, start to grab on and Hawkeye is chasing uh Frank around the Colonel's desk. So and then yeah. in the that was a great ending. Yeah. The very last scene, uh after the last commercial, 
what we see is a reply letter from Hawkeye's dad to him. Oh, that's about right. yeah, how Senator Baxter probably won't be very helpful because he was uh, indicted for influence peddling and faces 20 years in the pokey. But I think that form or that letter mm -hmm. was meant to say your mail is finally going through again. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 So it was so your, short. Your, your, it's over. Your capture mm. or whatever. Yeah. So his mail um, was going through again. So yeah. everyone's happy. Yeah. A couple other just minor things that I did observe in this episode. We see Ginger again. Mm -hmm. Nurse Ginger, she's in post-op. Nurse really, Kelly. Nurse Kelly is an extra again. So she's in OR. No, wait. Was she? Yeah, she was in OR. Was that in the last episode? That was the last episode. Okay. Hand, it was when he was trying to stab Yeah. People. So yeah, in, the POW. in Radar's report, we see uh, Kelly in the background. She doesn't have any lines, but she's there. Uh, in this episode, something else. In last episode, like I say, the PA announcer was, at least it sounded like the one from the movie. In this episode, in the movie in Colonel Blake's office, we see this, like, tin helicopter hanging from the ceiling. We don't see it in the show up until now. And we oh. see this little tin helicopter I have to watch for it hanging from the ceiling I don't think it's there after this oh okay. but it's there in this episode yeah it's hanging just inside of his You're office doors observant. to the right <laughs> okay uh, another thing as far as I'm always watching to try and figure out how mash is laid out after major stoner is uh, arrives in post-op so they're in post-op which is kind of like I always look at MASH as I'm in Radar's office facing the doors to go out toward the swamp. So off to my left is post-op. Off to my right is pre-op and then pre-op. Back to my left is Henry's office and I'm assuming back to my right is supply. That's kind of what it seems like from time to time. Well, they come out of post-op through the only set of doors that post-op has right into where Radar's office should be, and instead it looks like part of a supply room because there are sheets on what should be Radar's desk. And we know that it's Radar's office because Major Stoner leaves and goes right outside... Where Radar's office would lead. Yeah, well, where, yeah, right outside toward the swamp. Okay. The only way out that we know of is through Radar's office, where his bunk is. So, like, I'm sure that... It's just a convenience and cost thing. I mean, like in Star Trek, the reason that they invented the transporter wasn't because they were looking to invent the transporter. It's because it was a cheap way to get the people... From one spot to another. another. They didn't have to put two more sets in of them in <laughs> a shuttle bay over. and then in a <laughs> shuttle. They just... Doot, doot. And go there. Oh, ingenious, actually. So I think this is probably one of those cases where it's like... Well, we'll just reuse the set. Nobody will realize it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but, so, just continuity things, little things to look at, look for when you're watching. And, uh, as I have been commenting a lot lately, of course, in the opening credits, it's always amazing just how much the hills of Korea look like the, the hills of, of Burbank. Look like the hills of Burbank. <laughs> but because they are. Because they are. 
But anyway, that's really all I have. Yeah, well, how do they get to watch, well, listen to this? <laughs> all right, so yeah, if this is your first episode, this is a weekly podcast we do. So if you want to hear more of it, head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast application and search for Whiskey and Mash. Or you can search for Chris Pullman. Or, or Gloria Ackerman. And you'll find the podcast that way. You can subscribe and get the latest episodes downloaded right to your device automatically. Otherwise, if you don't do the podcast thing, you can head over to narclaninc.com slash whiskey and mash. All the raw MP3 files are there. You can download them, put them onto your favorite MP3 device or whatever you might have. You know, if you still have a Zoom that's working, I don't know. I don't judge. Outdated technology is awesome. Um, you can download it, listen to that in your own time, you know, when you're on the way to work, at work, on a run, whatever. The, and then if you want to get in contact with us, we have a Facebook page. You should be able to find it at facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. Uh, you can email us, whiskeyandmash at narclaninc.com. Tell us what you think of the episode, if there's anything we could do better, do worse. <laughs> if, if you have any suggestions for what we can do now at the beginning of the episodes, because we have run through... All the major characters, I believe. I don't know if we did Sherman T. Potter. We might not have done Sherman Potter. You're right, because right. we, we probably would, would have mentioned... I would have loved to have said Sherman T. T. Potter. Potter. That's the only way to write his name. You put too much of a flourish on the T. <laughs> um, but, you know, we are running out of main characters, so if you have an idea on what we can do in place of that, because there's still a lot of series left, and not a lot of main characters. I mean, we can start going through minor ones, but if you have a better idea, email us, know. send us a message on Facebook. Uh, just as another little thing, if you search for my name, you might come across two other podcasts. I do one where I read chapters from my first novel. That is called Chris Reed's Book. And there is also another podcast out there where uh, hopefully my wife, Laura, your daughter, Laura. My daughter. And I will be recording the second episode for that podcast series right after this one tonight. Uh, that is called Geeks Apparently. We are geeky, nerdy parents. Uh, we are computer programmers. And the whole goal of that podcast is just to show, and that's our daughter, Ryan, um, just to show that just because you're a parent doesn't mean that you have to give up that part of you that kind of defined who you were before you know uh, like i say we're geeks we love star trek star wars playing video games all that and so we go into that sort of stuff in that podcast but i think with that with that thanks have for a great week salute and thanks for coming to whiskey and mash see you next week